From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. And today we want to sort of flesh out a preview of what the appropriations process is going to look like for the summer because things are going to start coming fast and furious uh, in just a few more weeks to make up for a lot of lost time. Jen, you've recently been reporting on this. How does it look to you? Uh, It looks like things are about to get going again, David. So just to backtrack a little bit, the annual budget and appropriations process started off pretty normally. The White House released the president's budget request in early February, and then Congress got to work very quickly after that, bringing up department heads and agency heads for hearings in the various appropriations subcommittees in the House and Senate. Um, But then in late February and really throughout March and April and May, Congress turned its full attention to addressing the COVID-19 pandemic through a series of bills that were meant to help the healthcare industry, small businesses, and the various federal government agencies that were responding to that, as well as state and local governments. So there are still ongoing conversations in the background right now about another aid package to address coronavirus. But what we're seeing is that the appropriations committees in the House and Senate are about to get started on releasing their 12 annual funding bills for fiscal 2021 and marking those up in committee. And those are a really big deal um, because this is how Congress will determine another $1.4 trillion in discretionary spending for the upcoming fiscal year, which starts on October 1st. Looking like it's going to be a very partisan affair, right? Well, not necessarily. So one of the really big differences to keep in mind are sort of the structural differences between the House and Senate. So typically the way things work in the House Appropriations Committee is that that chamber really runs on majority rule. So whether or not Democrats or Republicans are in power, um, whoever is in that majority tends to write sort of their dream bills. So the House bills we don't expect to be particularly bipartisan this year. There may be provisions in them that Republicans will support, but it's unlikely that we'll see broad Republican support either in the House Appropriations Committee or during floor debate later this summer. The Senate is an entirely different chamber with a very different set of rules for floor debate. So what we see in the Senate Appropriations Committee is that their legislation is typically bipartisan. Of course, it is still a majority rule committee structure. So if Republicans would want to vote out spending bills there on party line votes or mostly party line votes, they could. We saw that a couple times last year. But the issue with that is that if the bills aren't bipartisan, they don't really have a chance to get floor debate in the Senate. Um, As I'm sure everyone is aware of, the Senate, in order to actually process a bill, you either need to get unanimous consent, which is essentially any one of the 100 senators can object to that, or you need to move through the cloture process, which means you need at least 60 senators to agree to advance a bill. So if the Senate doesn't have some bipartisanship, it can run into a lot of issues. And so we know that there are a lot of ongoing talks between Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby, Republican of Alabama, and Ranking Member Patrick Leahy, a Democrat of Vermont. Um, they have a long-standing tradition of bipartisanship there, but there still might be some issues on those really long-standing issues within the Trump administration, like the border wall. 
Yeah, I mean, it does seem to me as though, and you point out in, in, in your reporting that, that there are some key issues that really could divide things and certainly make House-Senate negotiations tough. One, of course, is the border wall funding, which is now an age-old issue, but every year they have to face it. And then there's an issue about public health programs, right? Yeah, so obviously addressing the coronavirus pandemic, Congress has spent trillions of dollars on you know various aid packages for various sections of the economy and the government. But one of the things that House Labor HHS Education Appropriations Subcommittee Chairwoman Rosa DeLauro is looking at is potentially designating some spending in her annual funding bill or that annual funding bill as emergency which would mean that it would um, it would take place kind of outside that spending cap. And so that would give appropriators a little bit more room to spend additional money on addressing the pandemic. And that would likely go to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and maybe a few other department agencies like that that are sort of handling the ongoing response to the pandemic because, of course, there are still lots of cases throughout the country um, and lots of issues still with um, access to personal protective equipment for healthcare workers. Right. But carving extra money outside of the spending limits is not, is not going to sit well with conservatives, I imagine. Well, it might not sit well conservatives, but Chairwoman DeLauro is in ongoing conversations with House Ranking Member Tom Cole, Republican of Oklahoma, and Senate Subcommittee Chairman Roy Blunt, a Republican of Missouri. And um, in my conversations with Senator Blunt, he has some concerns about designating various sections of the Labor HHS Education Spending Bill as emergency, but he hasn't fully ruled those out yet. And so these conversations are very much ongoing as both panels head towards starting their markups Um, with the Senate doing that the week of June 22nd and the House starting their markups the week of July 6th. And then another big issue that could come up this time, now that we're dealing with all these cases of police brutality, is funding for law enforcement. Yes, this is going to be a really big issue throughout the annual appropriations process, but particularly with funding for um, local police departments. Um, We've seen a lot of pieces of legislation come out during the past week or so on Capitol Hill dealing with various aspects of the criminal justice system, structural racism, and police brutality. And so we're really watching and checking in a lot with lawmakers and staff about whether or not there are going to be provisions in the annual funding bills to address aspects of that. Obviously, appropriators would not be doing um, proposals that are as broad as or as sweeping as what is in some of these bigger bills that are going to move as standalone legislation. Um, But there is a possibility that they do take up the police brutality debate at some point, which is really interesting because obviously, if you can't reach agreement on a funding bill, you either have to do a stopgap spending bill or you enter a government shutdown. So having this debate within the context of the annual appropriations process does have a little bit more pressure on it than having this debate with separate standalone legislation where there aren't consequences like that um, if you don't pass the bill or if you can't successfully conference it between the House and Senate. So as you said, things are going to start heating up in just a few weeks as they start marking up their bills. How much progress, though, do you expect them to actually be able to make and how quickly? It seems like things are going to move very quickly. 
in the house. July is going to be a really rough month for staff and lawmakers, I think. It sounds like the House Majority Leader, Steny Hoyer, a Democrat of Maryland, has set the goal of having all of the appropriations bills voted on on the House floor, or as many of them as they realistically can, um, before the August recess. And so with the House committee starting to mark up the week of July 6th, there's going to be a lot of early mornings, long days, late nights, um, and just constant work for staff and lawmakers in that chamber to meet that timeline. So I do think there's going to be a lot of progress on those annual bills there. In the Senate, one thing that's pretty interesting is that the subcommittee chairman have been given the option to pull out their bills instead of holding an official subcommittee markup in the Senate. Um, And it sounds like a lot of them might um, be seriously considering that or have already decided that they're going to do that. And so that's something that is going to help speed up the Senate Appropriations Committee's process. Of course, one thing to point out is that in the Senate, they don't do amendment debate in the subcommittee. That amendment debate is held for the full committee. And so that won't be something that sort of curtails any appropriator's ability to propose amendments or debate this legislation because that will still be happening in the full committee over there. Um, And then we don't know in the Senate if there'll be any floor debate on those appropriations bills. The timeline with the Senate's scheduled August recess, as well as the the conventions happening, it seems a little unlikely they'd be able to debate a lot of their bills. But Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has not actually come out yet and said he won't do that. So there's still a possibility there, although I personally feel it's unlikely. When you say subcommittees might pull out, you mean they might just skip subcommittee markups entirely and go to full committee? Yeah, it's referred to as pulling out. Um, And so that is their option. They just sort of hold an informal kind of vote on the bill. And then it goes up to the full committee to speed everything up. Even the full Senate committee is unlikely to do all 12 of their bills, right? Right. There's the sort of typical issues that we've seen in the past year or two, or just during the Trump administration, are likely to come up again The Homeland Security bill is the bill that funds the border wall. So there are still ongoing conversations there between subcommittee leaders and full committee leaders about whether or not that could be bipartisan. The military construction and VA spending bill, um, if you remember back to last year, the Trump administration pulled money from military construction accounts to the border wall. That was very frustrating for Democrats, and several Republicans were not happy with that choice. The Trump administration has said it wants Congress to um, replenish the funding in those military construction accounts or backfill them. Um, And so that is another issue that has been pretty tense. There's a lot of concerns that if those accounts are refilled, the Trump administration would just pull that money again for the border wall. Last year, the Senate Appropriations Committee didn't even release its military construction and VA bill before going to conference with the House. So that's another possibility this year. So busy July. Uh, any guess how much they actually get done in July, whether how many bills actually get passed? Uh, I think the House goal is to definitely pass all 12 out of full committee. Whether or not House Democrats can vote on their Homeland Security bill, I think will be another thing that we're going to be paying pretty close attention to. When the House committee releases its first set of bills, just because they're unlikely to get broad Republican support, the Democratic conference over there really needs almost all of its members to support those bills. And obviously the Homeland Security bill 
contains a lot of spending levels and policy language um, where it's really hard for Democrats to kind of walk that thin line between getting progressive votes and moderate votes, especially in an election year where they really want to make sure that they're their moderates who could lose re-election in November aren't taking votes that may increase the likelihood that Democrats reduce their majority in the House or lose members. And so that's going to be another thing that is really kind of a fine line for them to walk. And so in the end, House Democratic leaders may decide not to put the Homeland Security spending bill on the floor if they think it's either going to be an unsuccessful vote for them, if they aren't going to be able to get a majority to actually pass it across the House floor, or if it's going to put some of their really um, sort of key re-election members in a really tough spot. Okay. And so even though each chamber might try to pass most of its 12 bills by the end of July, no one really thinks we're going to have spending bills done in time for the new fiscal year on October 1st, right? We're talking about another stopgap measure. It seems highly unlikely that all 12 annual funding bills are conferenced between the House and Senate and that the Trump administration is okay with them by the end of September, the end of the current fiscal year. So yes, I think pretty much everyone expects a stopgap spending bill, that continuing resolution until sometime after the November elections. And then if you look at the congressional calendar, it seems like the most likely date for that is probably sometime in mid-December. And so that adds a whole other set of issues to how conferencing goes post-election, of course, if there's any sort of changeover in control of the chambers or control of the White House. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. 